science has begun to investigate, okay, so what happens when we fast? And what we discover is a lot of our hormonal signaling really gets a major tune-up and support with fasting practices. And we also then discovered that a lot of the signals that happen in our brain that repairs and maintain our brain get a major tune-up with fasting. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Recently, I have been very candid about my diagnosis with Hajimoto's thyroiditis, which is, by the way, the fastest growing autoimmune condition to date. To be honest, it was initially a difficult decision to share my latest health journey with you. It actually took me about nine months for me to finally open up about it. See, I didn't want my diagnosis to define me and change your view of me as an expert dedicated to giving you the best up-to-date information about your health, particularly your health when it comes to your hormones. Now, I asked myself a lot of questions like, would it serve my audience if I shared my story? Would this diagnosis distract from my message of healing and hope? And I remember when the labs came in and I received the official diagnosis. I can't tell you how much shame and guilt I felt about my diagnosis, as so many of us do. And I am here to tell you that there is nothing to feel ashamed about. See, earlier this year, I came to a massive realization during my book tour in February, as I heard so many of your stories and so many of your health struggles I met hundreds of women with thyroid concerns who felt lost and misled by their doctors. And I knew on that tour that I needed to be a part of the solution. I cannot tell you how many books, articles, and papers I have read on autoimmune disease, Hajimoto's, and thyroid conditions. Maybe thyroid should be my next book topic based on how much time I have devoted in this area of study. Now don't get me wrong, I am beyond thrilled to write about perimenopause and menopause. And guess what? I will be talking a whole lot about thyroid in the next book. There will be an entire chapter. Now today, I have invited one of the most remarkable women to share her story about reversing autoimmunity. Most specifically, I've invited Dr. Terry Walls, who has reversed an irreversible disease, multiple sclerosis. Dr. Terry Walls is actually the second woman on this show to have reversed her multiple sclerosis. Back on episode 89, I interviewed Palmer Kippola, the author of Beat Autoimmune, The Six Keys to Reverse Your Condition and Reclaim Your Health. Thank goodness we have women like Dr. Terry Wells, Dr. Amy Myers, and Dr. Isabella Wentz, along with Palmer Kippola, for sharing their stories and wisdom about autoimmune disease here on this podcast. Now, over 50 million people have autoimmunity and it's growing at a rapid rate. It's quickly becoming the third biggest condition in the US. And mainstream medicine is not treating it. They are covering up the symptoms with drugs and oftentimes unsuccessfully leaving people, especially women, confused and suffering. This has got to stop. We need to demand better from our doctors and better from our healthcare. 
I can't imagine where I would be if I didn't have a team of functional doctors helping me to heal the Hajimoto's thyroiditis by discovering root causes and addressing the core inflammation. Now, before we get into Dr. Terry Wells' story and the root cause discoveries, I wanna take a moment and let you know that you are helping to create a movement. That's right. The Essentially You podcast is growing every single week because you are sharing your truth and your healing journey. Thank you so much for sharing these episodes on Instagram, Facebook, via text message, however you love to share them because they have made an impact on your life. So I wanna take a minute and I wanna celebrate your wins. Now, one particular healing rock star that I wanna celebrate is the Oil Mama. And I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on iTunes. And yes, that is her name on iTunes. And here is what she had to say. Dr. Marisa, thank you for providing your wealth of knowledge in all areas of our life. From anxiety to aura health, you have got our backs and I am so grateful. You also go above and beyond to respond back to messages, which means the world to us and it shows that you care. Thank you, you are beautiful inside and out. Well, thank you so much for sharing Oil Mama. You are the rock star. If you are listening today, I would love to gift you my Superwoman blend. Just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or wherever we've connected before because it sounds like we've connected and I would love to get that in the mail. Now, just a little side note about these Superwoman blends. As you guys know, this is one of my favorite essential oil blends. I use it all the time. And we have shipped out so many of these beautiful blends to our podcast listeners. So it's just such a fun thing to be able to get these beautiful oils into your hands. You can really experience that. Now, if you are listening and gaining insight from your healing journey, I would absolutely love to shout you out. And I can't tell you how much your message means to me. You can easily reach out to me via Insta. And I'll tell you what, Instagram is my favorite place to play but also Facebook, or the gold standard is simply reviewing the Essentially You podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform that you love to plug into. That way, we get to change the world by giving women solutions at their fingertips and providing them with much-needed information for them to take to their doctors, for them to make changes in their health so that they can become the CEO of their health. Now, let's jump into this powerful interview with the one and only Dr. Terry Walls, But before we do that, I wanna quickly sing her praises. Dr. Terry Walls is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa. She is the author of The Walls Protocol, How How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and Functional Medicine, and the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life. You can learn more about her work on her website, terrywalls.com. She hosts The Walls Protocol Seminar every August, which is coming up where anyone can learn how to implement the protocols with ease and success. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Terry Walls. How are you doing today? Oh, excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. I have been wanting to have you on this podcast for so long because your your story and your research and your mission is so powerful. It has really shifted the way that I think about health. I love your book, The Walls Protocol. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, but first what I want to do is I want to dive into your story, Terry, because you have a marvelous, remarkable story, a healing story that I think so many of us can not only benefit from, but can learn from. Yes. 
It was during medical school in the 1980s. I first had my first symptoms of electrical face pain. They would come on. They're more frequent if I had severe sleep deprivation, lots of stress. And nothing really seemed to stop that pain. The frequency of those pains gradually increased. Then I had an episode of dim vision in my left eye. That was in uh, 1987. Had a big workup, saw a neurologist, saw the eye specialist. No clear explanation. Then 13 years later, the next symptom is weakness in my left leg. And again, I see the neurologist get uh, MRIs of my brain, my spinal cord. I have many blood tests, nerve conduction velocity tests, a spinal tap. And then my neurologist says, you know, you forgot to mention that 13 years ago, you had dim vision in your left eye. And that was probably an episode of optic neuritis. You have lesions in your spinal cord and you have abnormal spinal fluid. So you now meet criteria for relapsing or remitting multiple sclerosis. I also knew that MS is a progressive disease. And I wanted to treat my disease aggressively because, you know, I'm an academic internal medicine doc and I believe in the best drugs, the newest technology. So I wanted to go to a center that was doing uh, clinical research. I saw one of their best people, took the newest drugs and continued to go downhill. Now, two years into this, my Cleveland Clinic neurologist told me about the work of Lauren Cardane. I read his papers, I read his books and decided his advocacy of a paleolithic diet as a way to manage chronic complicated diseases like MS, I had some scientific merit. So I gave up all grains, all legumes, all dairy. And this was a big deal because I'd been a low fat vegetarian for 20 years. That is a big deal. It was a very big deal. And it took me several months to make this transition because I had to ease into eating meat again. But I continued to decline. The next year, I needed a tilt-reclined wheelchair. My Cleveland Clinic physicians told me that my disease had transitioned to secondary progressive MS and that functions once lost would not be coming back. They recommended I take chemotherapy. The side effects of Novantrone are a higher risk of heart failure, liver damage, kidney damage, secondary life-threatening infections that were viral, fungal, or bacterial in nature, and secondary cancers including lymphomas and leukemias. But, you know, I, I'm much more terrified of becoming disabled, of becoming bedridden, of becoming demented. I also have trigeminal neuralgia, which are electrical, these electrical face pains that were getting more frequent and more severe. So, yes, I took those drugs with all those terrible side effects and continued to decline. Then they told me to take the new biologic drug, the TNF-alpha blocker, uh, Tizabri. And I took that and continued to decline. And so I switched to ever more potent uh, drugs, having more serious side effects, and I continued to decline. And that's when I decided I might as well go back to reading the basic science. And I was going to experiment on myself, doing everything I could to slow my decline, because I had completely accepted that I have a progressive disease, it's incurable, Functions once lost are gone forever. There is no recovery. My only hope is to try and slow down my decline. Based on everything that I'm reading, I decide that mitochondria are the big drivers of disability in most neurologic conditions. And so progressive MS is probably the same. So I devise a supplement cocktail for my mitochondria, and it slows the speed of my decline. And I'm immensely grateful. 
But 2007, I am so weak I can no longer sit up in a regular chair. I have a zero gravity chair that I can recline with my knees higher than my nose. I have one at work, one at home. It's a struggle to walk very short distances. I'm beginning to have brain fog. I'm exhausted by 10 in the morning. As I said, I'm having more severe face pain. It's, I'm frequently in the pain clinic. I'm on maximum dose of gabapentin. My chief of staff tells me that in six months, I'm going to have to go to the traumatic brain injury clinic and start seeing patients there without residence. And he describes a job that I know physically I'm unable to do. But, you know, God works in mysterious ways because two weeks later, when I'm reviewing a clinical trial as part of my duties on the Institutional Review Board, it's about electrical stimulation of muscles for people who've been acutely paralyzed by a spinal cord injury. So I, I read through that and I convince my physical therapist to let me try electrical stimulation of muscles. So I add that to my physical therapy routine. Then at that same time, I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine. I take their course on neuroprotection, which by the way, was sort of tricky in the midst of my brain fog. Uh, but I have a longer list of supplements, which I add. And then I have a really wonderful aha moment. Like, you know, what if I redesign my paleo diet to get in the food the things that I'm taking in supplement form? So that's more research I have to figure out. But I now have all these foods that I'm going to stress. And I start eating this way in December. And then in January, I go off to the traumatic brain injury clinic. Now, the first week, all I have to do is watch. So you know, by God, I should be able to just watch. The next week, I have to start seeing patients. And to my surprise, it goes okay. And then I do a second week where I'm actually seeing the patients. And that goes okay. And I'm like, you know, my energy is better. And it is easier to sit up. And my thinking is more clear. And my pain is less. And then three months later, I began walking with a cane. And in six months, I'm walking without a cane. And in nine months, I bike around the block for the first time in six years. I'm crying. My wife's crying. My kids are crying. And in 12 months, I'm able to do a 18.5-mile bike ride with my family. This really transforms how I think about disease and health, and it would transform the way I practice medicine. My uh, chief of medicine would tell me that this was so important to my recovery that he gave me the job of getting a case report written up. And I go like, on myself? He said, yes, yes, yes. Work with your treating neurologist, your physical therapist. You get this written up. So I do. Then he directs me to write case series on, on what I'm seeing in clinic and what I'm doing. So I do that. Then he directs me to write my protocol up and do what we call a safety and feasibility trial, which we do. And we do several small pilot studies. And now we have a much larger clinical trial going on, testing the concepts that I use in my practice and for my own recovery in others in clinic with other many different autoimmune and health problems. And in my clinical trials, it's always uh, MS. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And interesting, you know, as I was hearing you, you know, step into that other clinic and based on the research that you did, the way that you've changed some of the, the dietary measures to kind of 
get all the supplementation that you need from the food. Was it a surprise as you began to progress in those, those first three to six to nine months? You know, it was stunning. And the other thing I, I want to remind all your listeners is that when you have an incurable disease, one of the things that you go through, you're, you're angry, you're pissed off, you're bargaining, you're depressed. And then you're finally resigned to like, okay, this is how life is. And I got to a point where I could just take each day, one day at a time. And that's how I coped. And then here I am, I'm recovering. Amazing things are happening, but I'm still taking things one day at a time. And so even though I'm walking around again, even though I don't have pain for the first time in years, even though I have great mental clarity, I don't really know what any of this stuff means because I know you can't get better with progressive MS. So I'm still taking it one day at a time. Even with all the work you're doing, I know you're probably writing a new book right now. It's still one day at a time. It's still one day at a time because I didn't know that recovery was possible. When I got on my bike, I understood like, okay, the conventional understanding of MS is incomplete. The conventional understanding of progressive diseases are incomplete. That we have to reshape our understanding in this context of new information that apparently it is possible when you give your cells what they need and the environment they need that they can correct themselves. We're alive because of self-correcting biochemistry. And so if we stop the inflammatory foods and environments and give ourselves the proper nutrition, the proper environment, that self-correcting chemistry allows us to rebuild our our bodies molecule by molecule. Hmm. And I know a big part of this not only was a lot of the the environmental changes you made, but it was a big part of the dietary changes. Have your dietary changes shifted at all since you began to feel such a recovery? Sure. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, I keep reading, I keep experimenting, I keep learning. I think science continues to advance. We have much more insight into how the food we eat turns our genes on and off, how the food we eat can shift how our hormonal balance is, how the food we eat shifts our microbiome. And there's so much exploding research about the critical role of the microbiome. So as I learn about all these things, I'm paying more attention to things that I'm emphasizing, things that I'm de-emphasizing, and appreciating the individuality that we have. In my new book, I give people a little more direction about, I have everyone start with a Walls diet. And then based on their response and their symptoms and their family history, I guide them where to go with their next level of interventions if they've not yet achieved their desired outcome. And we talk about the type of labs that they could get through their primary care doc or through a functional medicine doc if they need to have a more comprehensive investigation. Got it. That makes total sense. Yeah, you know, because the only thing that we can say that's uniform for everyone is I can give people a recipe for killing everyone, but otherwise we have to spend a lot of understanding the nuances of how you run your chemistry based on your genes and your microbiome. So I can get you improving your health, but to get to completely optimal health, I may need to fine tune things a little bit, depending on the genetics that determine how well you can manage sulfur 
how well you can manage your B vitamins, how well you manage ammonia. And so that will determine the kind of fat that you need to have, how many B vitamins you need to have, how much sulfur you need to have, how much protein you need to have. Now I'm helping people learn how to really dial in their diet to keep getting better and better and better health outcomes. We talk about that a lot here on the show, the importance of that bio-individuality. But I know that there are some key pieces. Now, I do want people to go and get the book, but can you talk to me a little bit about those key parts in your dietary plan that kind of set the tone for people in their wellness journey? So there's two big, big groups here. The foods I want you to remove because they're so damaging. And then the foods I want you to stress. So the foods that are damaging... The two big are gluten and casein. Again, depending on your genetics, you may have an abnormal immune response that's overly active that leads to more inflammation molecules in your bloodstream and in your brain that put you at much higher risk for autoimmune problems and early memory loss. If your ideal body weight, great mood, no symptoms, then whatever you're doing right now, that's fine to, to do. But if you, if you have some symptoms, if you aren't ideal body weight, if you don't have a perfect mood, then I want you to take out gluten and casein. I also, in my autoimmune and chronic health practice, I tell people to also take out eggs because eggs are the third most common unrecognized food sensitivity issue. So we take out these inflammatory foods and then I ramp up the non-starchy vegetables. And the big categories are green leafies, sulfur-rich vegetables in the onion, cabbage, and mushroom families. And then the deeply pigmented. And to be pigmented, I try to keep these things really simple. You slice the food item down the middle. If it's there's pigment, deep pigment all the way through, that's a marker for antioxidants. And so that would be in the colored category. So Carrots, beets, peppers, citrus, berries, cherries, tomatoes, that's in the colored category. And then you need protein. And now this depends on if you're a meat eater, I give uh, the recommendation of six to 12 ounces of meat per day. If you're vegetarian or a vegan, then we want you to have gluten-free grains and legumes. Is it legumes out entirely? And No, no, no. So, no. Okay. At the first level, you can have gluten-free grains and legumes. So what I've done is I've created a plan that would guide the vegetarian, the vegans, if they wish, and guide the meat eaters. And then we have more advanced plans that would guide people who would benefit from a ketogenic diet or periods of fasting or uh, many of the variations uh, of fasting. So. We have a more rational guidance so you can personalize your diet in part based on your spiritual beliefs. If you're vegan or vegetarian, free spiritual beliefs will we'll guide you how to do that, how to do this as a meat eater, how to fine tune your Mediterranean diet if, if you're a Mediterranean eater, how to do this as a ketogenic eater, and how to take advantage of the benefits of periodic fasting or some of the elements of fasting. Do you find that, and I don't want to spend too much time on fasting, but do you find, Terry, that a lot of people benefit with fasting if they're dealing with some type of illness? 
across many, many, many of our cultures, fasting has been a big part of ritual cleansing of the religious faith. Just from an evolutionary or anthropologic standpoint, because so many cultures include fasting as part of their uh, religious practices, uh, that's a lot of evidence that there's been a lot of value uh, in our societies. Now, science has begun to investigate, okay, so what happens when we fast? And what we discover is a lot of our hormonal signaling really gets a major tune-up and support with fasting practices. And we also then discovered that a lot of the signals that happen in our brain that repairs and maintain our brain get a major tune-up with fasting. Then from my evolutionary perspective, when I put on my ancestral health hat, you know, this makes a lot of sense that over the millions of years that our species, we intermittently, quite commonly, would not have food. That food would be scarce because of a hunt wasn't good or the weather wasn't good and there was a drought or a war or famine. So the metabolic shifts that happened, the chains in genetics that made us tolerate fasting well is deeply ingrained in our genes. And if you didn't tolerate fasting well, you, you didn't have reproductive success. So it turns out that when we fast or go through a period when there's not enough food, that that does a lot of favorable nudging of how our cells run the chemistry of life. I appreciate your take on on talking about that. I know there's so much information out there, and I always just want my my audience to hear a little bit about you know how we can use those benefits and figuring out if it's right for them and how to figure out if it's right for them. You know, keep in mind we're not plants. No, we're not plants. So, so we do in fact have to eat food. Occasionally, not having enough food is fine. If you always are starving, not having enough food, you can't make the proteins that you need for the structures that your body needs. You can't make the proteins for your immune cells to protect you from threats within your body, such as cancer, threats from outside your body, such as infection. And you can't make the hormones you need to keep all your chemistry running properly. So intermittent stresses like that are good for us. Continual stresses like that it's sort of like stunting your plants. Imagine what happens to your plant if you don't let it have enough water for that zone or enough light for that zone or really crappy soil and rocks. Now, there are a few plants that thrive in those conditions, but if you put a plant that would require lots of sunlight and rich soil into a dark corner or crappy soil, it will not do well. Agreed. So, I mean, it does definitely prolonged fasting and making sure that if you're, you're continuous to do that, it, it may end up actually creating more stress in the system. And then you're, you're missing out on those macro and micronutrients that we need for the building blocks of our body. So talk to me about, I know that in, for you, it was multiple sclerosis. It was autoimmune. However, my gut tells me that there's a lot of other illnesses that can help not only with your protocol, but with in our diet. When I had this health transformation, I was in the traumatic brain injury clinic and I was in the primary care clinic. And so I started talking to my patients about diet and lifestyle and teaching them how to use diet and lifestyle. And so the traumatic brain injury clinic, we had folks with 
traumatic brain injury, a lot of uh, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. And we saw those conditions resolve. And many of these folks uh, had experienced a dramatic weight gain as part of their experience in Afghanistan and Iraq war theater. I mean, like putting on 100 pounds in a year. And we saw for those people that their weight came off and they got back to their pre-deployment weight without being hungry, I might add. In my primary care clinics, we saw diabetes get better, a high blood pressure get better. We saw diabetes completely reverse. People who required insulin, these are type 2 diabetics, mind you, who improved, no longer needed insulin, no no longer needed blood pressure uh, pills. And we saw a wide variety of autoimmune problems get better. Then the chief of medicine called me and said, yo, Terry, we got to take you out of primary care. And what we really want you to do is to have a clinic that you get to run the way you want. So that led to the creation of the Therapeutic Lifestyle Clinic. And all I did was diet and lifestyle and a few very minor supplements, a few very basic primary care labs. And I went to the primary care clinic and the traumatic and the pain clinic. I said, I'll be happy to take your most difficult people that have the most complicated problems on the longest medication list that have the greatest level of suffering. But you need to tell them I'm not giving them drugs. I'm only doing diet and lifestyle. We started getting referrals and started having success with a wide variety of problems. And it was people who had had pain following war injuries, amputations, neuropathies, people with a wide variety of autoimmune problems, with diabetes, fatty liver disease, obesity, Parkinson's, myasthenia, early cognitive decline, a wide variety of mental health problems. And of course, I'm still personalizing the diet, but it's the same, it was the principles of a therapeutic diet teaching them stress-reducing practices, teaching them how to begin adding movement. And then we did support groups every month as people would make these changes. And we saw transformation. Now, the other thing that I, that I want to stress is, now the people that I'm seeing are the disabled vets living on food stamps. Was the food stamp situation a concern regarding, because, you know, a lot of people think that, that healthy food is expensive. <laughs> when people tell me that you can't do the Walls Protocol if you're not rich, I'm like, well, the first people that I taught to do it lived on, on food stamps. And yeah, they weren't buying organic food at first. But it's interesting, we did cooking classes, and I did teach people how to do this as vegetarians, legumes and gluten-free grains because it was cheaper that way. We talked about the quality of their food and how to use the Clean 15 to figure out what to get organically and what not and how to garden and how to forage. And they were going to their CSA and their farmer's market. Said, you know, these vets, are, they're really pretty smart folks. They taught me, you go up to the farmer and say, okay, at the end of the farmer's market, what's the best price you'll give me for everything that you've got left? So my vets were figuring out how to get organic food for pennies on the dollar. And they often figured out they went to the CSAs, they just volunteered to go out and help with the harvesting of the food. They could get food for a labor exchange. There are a variety of means. The first thing you have to do is give people hope that it's possible. You have to explain the mechanisms of how this can work in metaphors that are culturally appropriate. You know, I see a lot of farmers, so they get metaphors that have to do with livestock and crop production. But you have to use metaphors that people can relate to. 
and then offer choices and a peer support group that helps them talk to each other as they meet challenges and experience successes. Terry, honey, you're still running this, this clinic. Is that correct? I had to make a decision. And I did this at the end of 2017 that I was having so many requests to travel around the world teaching all this stuff. And I needed to cut back on something. So I decided to retire from the VI. I had hired another individual to run my clinic. So that clinic is still running. Actually, they, they keep adding staff and it's got national recognition. So that, that's doing well. I work just part-time at the university. Yeah, I travel the world. I run an in-person seminar and I have a very tiny private practice because I wasn't quite ready to give up my direct patient care. But I'll probably in the next year have to make another decision like, okay, because if I have the opportunity to keep teaching other clinicians how to do this stuff, and I have this goal now of teaching the neurologists how to use therapeutic diet and lifestyle. I think 2020, because our research will be coming out, I am projecting there'll be many more offers to speak nationally and internationally. So I'll probably have to cut back on something. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. I'll have to cut back on something to allow for that increased international footprint. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of doctors do want to know how to truly get their patients well. And the only other little piece I wanted to talk about, because as you know, so many aspects of your story and of your protocol has really, I feel like is connected into the gut and connected into the microbiome. What have you seen in the research with your diet and how you can shift things? How does that help support the microbiome? And, and where is the microbiome fitting into the influence of maybe the risk of autoimmune issues or the risk of, of mental health issues that you mentioned earlier? Well, the first thing I wanna do is call out to my farmer dad and my grandparents, both by farming history, they knew how powerful manure is for restoring the soil microbiome and making sure you had healthy crops, healthy pastures. And you know, I go off to medical school and I think I'm laughing at manure, I'm laughing at poop, I'm laughing at my patients who are telling me like, you know, if I could just have a good bowel movement, I'm sure uh, I'd be so much better off. And of course, now I, I realize, my God, they were right. <laughs> that if we would have been feeding them a diet that nourished their microbiome, that uh, the patients would be healthier, that we're beginning to recognize on epidemiologic basis that when you have severe constipation, your risk of autoimmune and chronic health problems and dementia are dramatically higher. And now on a molecular basis, we're beginning to realize that the microbes that live in your gut speak to your, your immune cells and make your immune cells either more inflamed in your bloodstream and in your brain and that the microbes help us digest your food, break the molecules down into smaller and smaller molecules, and eventually get into our bloodstream. We depend on those molecules to conduct the chemistry of life. And let me explain to your audience that thousands of generations ago, there was a random mutation that your ancestral grandmother could not make compound XYZ. But that compound was really necessary for health and for reproductive success. Fortunately for you, your ancestral grandmother's microbiome could still make compound XYZ. And so that compound XYZ would still get into the bloodstream 
And at that moment, the genetic instruction for making compound XYZ had gotten exported from your ancestral grandmother to your ancestral grandmother's microbes living in her gut. And that's why you and I, we do okay with 25,000 genes from us. From us. And the other genes that we depend on are our microbial genes. Yes. A lot of people don't realize that, that our microbes are 100% necessary for so much of our everyday cellular day-to-day survival. Now, the basic science that is going on right now that we are so excited about. So a lot of the studies are looking at the microbes, but what's for like a census, who's living in the gut. But the really exciting stuff are looking at metabolites in our bloodstream. And the metabolites, things that humans can make, mammals can make, and the metabolites that only microbes can make. And so there are these studies that are looking at tens of thousands of biochemical compounds, some of which we can make, many of which humans can't make, only microbes can make, and looking at how these metabolites influence our health. Now, to really understand this requires a different kind of math that's big data. This is the kind of research that I'm reading that my the members of my research team are reading and that we are raising money so we can look at doing these kinds of analyses in the frozen blood specimens I have in the freezer for my previous studies and for my current studies. Because my current thinking is that the food we eat feeds our microbes and the microbes digest all that stuff. They make their metabolites. It's the metabolites that run our chemistry of life. It's how we grow the right microbes so we can have the correct mix of microbial metabolites for optimal health. And that's what plays such a big role. Terry, thank you so much for breaking that down. Now, you had mentioned you've got a seminar. Like, where where is the best place we can connect? I mean, clearly the first step, I think, as I've read the book, is the Walls Protocol. But where else, if people are, they're hearing this for the first time and they're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. How can we find you? We have lots of tools to help people get started. So the first tool that is great is just my one page diet summary, terrywalls.com forward slash diet. So that's a great little summary. Put it in your refrigerator, get you going. When you're ready and you want to read some of the uh, science that I do. So you know that I'm not a crackpot. You could go to terrywalls.com forward slash research papers. And then there is a link to the papers that we do. And I update that as I get more uh, papers out that are relevant into the MS world. That's real, uh, very inspiring. But if you really want to dive in deep, learn what's going on and why, and then have a chance to meet hundreds many hundreds of other folks who are in the same journey to practice the skills related to stress reduction, to movement, to how we talk about diet, how we sort out what foods to eat, how to get out to a restaurant, how to talk to your family, reassure them, how to talk to your doctors. Because just hearing stuff is one thing, but you want to know how to get this into your life. So to do that, then come to the three-day seminar which will be happening at the end of July here. And we do it every summer. It's three days. It's three days that will transform your life. We've had many health practitioners who've lost their health 
professional practice because of their health challenges. They recover using the Wallace Protocol. They've transformed how they think about health and uh, delivering healthcare. And so they've come back. We've created a certification program for training people how to utilize these concepts in the health professional world. On our third day, we go through cases and I teach health professionals how to use this. And then we have a certifying exam for them as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. I know it's coming up towards the end of the month. This is going to be live by then. Do we just go to the website to look in details? Okay. I'll go to the website and I'll pull those links. I have the link for, if you guys want what I call the walls diet cheat sheet, I'll have that. And then I'll grab the dates and I'll put that link up as well. Yeah. You know, if you go to terrywalls.com forward slash seminar, that will take you to the landing page that describes the seminar. Thank you so much, Terry, honey, for coming on, not only sharing your brilliance, but sharing the work that you're doing. I love that you are such a massive advocate for this journey and that you are traveling the world to make it happen. I hope that not too much has to leave your plate in order to continue this mission, but I know that no matter what it is, I know you're enjoying it. When you're making a difference, it's intoxicating in the most wonderful way. I bet it is. Well, thank you for coming on and I'll see you in August. That's for sure. I hope that you have a wonderful day and I hope that your seminar goes as well as you expect it to. Thank you so very much. Dr. Terry Walls is truly inspirational. After the interview, I had a chance to chat with Terry some more and she shared with me her big mission to change the healthcare system along with the protocols for treating autoimmunity and chronic diseases. How powerful is that? And I have no doubt that Dr. Terry Walls is going to leave an incredible legacy with her pioneering work in the autoimmune field. Now that Terry and I opened the door for what is possible, I want to invite you to check her out. Not only her amazing Walls Diet Cheat Sheet to download, print, and to hang on your fridge as she so recommended, but I would also love for you to go and check out her book. I have a feeling that you have a friend or a family member or someone near and dear to you who is struggling with maybe one, two, or three autoimmune conditions, or even just struggling with a chronic condition. The beauty about Dr. Terry Walls and so much that we talk about here on this podcast is it isn't just applicable to an autoimmune condition or to type two diabetes or to hormonal imbalance, you know, whatever we wanna look at, Ultimately, what's so beautiful about these protocols, this information around nutrition, is it's truly beneficial for so many different conditions. Because at the end of the day, what so many of these protocols are really addressing is inflammation. And that includes my 14-day hormone rescue plan inside of part three of my book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. When I wrote that part of the book, as many of you know, it was all about addressing one of the biggest root causes for disease, and that's inflammation. And so I'm so aligned with Dr. Terry Walls and what she is doing. So I want to say thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. We are shifting gears for the next episode, and I am bringing on Lynn DeMastro Thompson to share her story and provide insight on a powerful concept. You are not your diagnosis, how to avoid allowing chronic illness to become your identity. Now, as I mentioned earlier on the show, my goal is to simply spread the word about the Essentially You podcast and shout out your wins. So definitely take a moment and reach out to me or review this on iTunes. That way, not only do I get to shout you out, 
but I also get to continue to serve you and other incredible women who are ready to step into their power and become healers in their own home. Until the next episode, see you soon.